We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. No Jack Manuel, but regulars on the show. Will Jackson. Will, how we doing? I'm all right. How are you, Nick? Can't complain. You know, obviously, the Nets didn't pick up the W last night, but we do have a couple of news and notes to talk about as well. Before we get started, check us out iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and YouTube. But a couple minutes before we even started recording this podcast right here, Alan Crabb out the rest of the season with surgery on his right knee, I believe. Thoughts on this and reaction? You can't say you're surprised just because he's been out so long and for so much this season, so you knew something was up. We didn't know quite what was up, but uh, I think this gives us a little bit of a more detailed look into what happened and how uh, they react to it. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, Jack and I were actually just discussing this on a recent episode and how we kind of didn't feel like Crab would play again this season. Just, you know, they took him out. They haven't really talked about his return and... You know, something was up with him since the injury. He first time he had an injury early in January, so really not surprising. His time in Brooklyn, he's really missed a lot of time on the court. So something to keep an eye on. And I know a lot of Nets fans, you know, we were just chatting about this beforehand. This could possibly be, you know, the last time Crab is in a Nets uniform. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me just because of how much money he makes and uh, obviously the huge free agent class coming up. I mean, a lot of people are thinking that the Nets could just attach a second-round pick with him to move him. I mean, we don't know what will happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, definitely that's a possibility just because of his huge contract. And uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, I agree. I think it would make sense to move him. I think I'd even attach the late first or maybe even two seconds because $18 million in cap space with this free agent class is huge. It kind of changes the possibility of what the Nets can do. And obviously, you know, Crab, when he's healthy, hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't probably lived up to the expectations of when the Nets even initially signed him to the offer sheet that Portland matched. Yeah, it's $18 million just for next year, and then he's a free agent again. Now, like you said, $18 million could be the difference of getting a big free agent or not. So, it will definitely be important to see if the Nets can move that. I think that they could probably move uh, the Knicks second-round pick just because that will be basically the value of a late first with him to a team, I don't know, one that's not looking to add someone for agency. But like you said, he's been so hot and cold this season. Um, 
up and down. It's just sad to see him get hurt because, I mean, when he's on, he's a key part to this Nets offense just because he can pretty much hit from anywhere on the court. Yeah, he's a big factor. I mean, the Nets have really struggled three-point shooting-wise and getting an elite three-point shooter like Crab back. He is hot and cold, but he does have those games where you know he can knock down seven threes and all of a sudden you're in a game that you shouldn't be. So obviously we wish him the best. Hopefully he gets healthy, but most likely I wouldn't expect him on the Nets roster next year if they're able to add a big free agent because of the D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell price tag going up after the season he's had. Yeah, I mean, we obviously hope that D'Angelo Russell gets an extension with this team. If not... I'm sure Nets fans will be uh, more than ready to ride to the front office. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we have people to pay. We need to bring free agents. I mean, we should bring free agents in with all this available talent. What do you think, Nick? Definitely, and I think the only way that Nets fans aren't freaking out of D'Angelo's not back is if they were to sign Kyrie Irving. But obviously we could get into an argument about Kyrie versus D'Angelo long-term. Oh, boy. But yeah, that, could, <laughs> that would take an entire oh, show. <laughs> uh, but let's dive into last night's game. You know, the Nets needed last night's game. They didn't get it. The Raptors picked up the W, 115-105 in Barclays Center. Initial reaction to the performance they had last night? Well, Joe Harris dunked. I think that's, <laughs> that's big news. I I'm, did not know I'm that sad Jack's not here. I'm, I'm sad Jack's not here for that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, that made my night pretty much. I don't care that we lost. Obviously, I care that we lost. Um, no, I mean, it helps that the Pistons lost, the Heat lost. Obviously, the Magic won, but... um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, D'Angelo Russell started out really cold. Um, I think it was like 05, 06 to start the first quarter. But, um, yeah, we just couldn't keep up with our offense when it came to the second half. I mean, just not a lot of shots were hitting in this one, and we felt like a little lazy, just not enough energy to start the game. Yeah, effort wasn't there necessarily to start. I think, you know, this is similar to the Bucks game that happened on Monday night. You know, the Nets kind of dug themselves in the hole in the first quarter. Raptors picked up 34-22 after one. And then the Nets kind of had a battle back, battle back. The Raptors had them within striking distance pretty much the whole game. You know, they're up 10-12. They made a late run in the game, but just not enough to get over the hump. So, just like this thing where the Nets have done this in the past over the last month of the season, I would say they've had these bad first quarters and they really have to dig themselves out of them. And if they have, you know, average to above average first quarters, they're looking at W's or at least an opportunity to win the game with, you know, a minute remaining. Yeah, we had uh, five turnovers in the first quarter to Toronto zero. So, that, I mean, that was a huge factor. Uh, future net, hopefully Kawhi Leonard was having a huge game inside on us and from mid-range. Uh, he was just hitting everything, it felt like. And, um... I mean, Siakam started out really cold from the floor. He was like 0-3 from 3 to start the quarter. So I thought this might be like a big night for us to like capitalize on Siakam missing shots because he's a huge part of their offense when he's going. But we just couldn't take advantage of it, and we just kept letting them get turnovers and create points off of them. Yeah, Siakam had that little bit of a cold start. Then he picked it up and, you know, finished with 28 points, 11 and 21 from the field, 10 rebounds, five assists, only one turnover. And I think probably the biggest outlier of the night, Serge Ibaka, five of five from three. You know, he probably hasn't done that all season. He's shooting under 30%. So that's just bad luck for the Nets right there. So the list is Boban Marjanovic, Joel Embiid, <laughs> and Serge Ibaka now. Everybody hits their threes against the Nets. And his canter. Like... <laughs> and his canter is another one. I mean, everybody hits their threes against the Nets. I guess it's just something about us. The more you shoot, the more the other team makes, I guess. Uh, we didn't actually shoot that many threes this night, right? Um, we only shot – well, we shot 32 in the game, but I think we only shot 11 in the first half. So, um and credit yeah. to the Raptors for that because they did an excellent job of closing out on the three-point line and forcing the Nets into that mid-range game. You know, obviously, they're a good team, very talented, play some good defense, have some elite defenders on that squad. So I feel like the Nets weren't ready for the physicality and 
the toughness that they brought in terms defensively, and that's what led to some of those early turnovers. You know, they match it a little bit, but just not enough where they need to be better with the ball, keep that ball moving going, even when the shots aren't falling. Yeah, and you mentioned mid-range and how they were forcing us to take those shots. And uh, we're a much different team because usually D'Angelo Russell's lights out from that range. But tonight, I mean, he just wasn't. So it's like the Nets have the ability to make those shots, but we just weren't hitting them tonight. So that's when Toronto was really able to take advantage of this one. Yeah, you know, you mentioned D'Angelo didn't start great. Karis LeVert didn't start great. Spencer didn't start great. And honestly, you could probably say none of them really played a great game. D'Angelo had that late stretch. It kind of made his numbers look a little bit better. But overall, I wouldn't say this was a great game from Karis, Dinwiddie, or Russell. And the Nets need probably at least two or three, two out of three of those guys to have really good nights to beat a team like the Raptors. Yeah, and then in the third quarter, I mean, we've seen Kenny Atkinson try to change up lineups a lot. And I think Ronda came in for the third time in the last two weeks. Um, and he was just – he wasn't good. He had two offensive fouls straight off the bat and a technical. I mean, he just wasn't getting it going. And I like that move to start because he's a small L5, like you mentioned a lot, who can definitely change up the momentum of the game, but he just wasn't able to get it going tonight. Yeah. I mean, overall, not necessarily an amazing performance. I will you know, say the guys that we talked about in the previous game against Milwaukee didn't necessarily play amazing, Rodions and Jared Allen. I thought they both played solid games last night. Yeah, and I want to talk about Jared Allen for a minute because it, uh, it feels like he's getting a little bit more of his confidence back, especially when he's on the offensive end inside. Uh, we saw him finish um, in a couple dunks, which I don't feel like we've seen a lot the of the past couple weeks. Reverse dunk was very nice. Oh, my God. that uh, It was a reverse jam, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we haven't seen from him in a while. So, I mean, it's going to be huge for the Nets if he can get that confidence back. A hundred percent, and they need him there. And I think Marcus Gasol, Jared Allen, obviously being a young center, doesn't feel necessarily confident against a ton of guys. I think Marcus Gasol, he realizes, hey, I got to step on him. I can get to the rim against this guy. He's not really going to be that mobile. He's a smart guy, high basketball IQ, but I think I can physically take him. I have a physical advantage in terms of my speed and athleticism. And uh, Rodion's, you know, he brought some energy, some physicality, also had a solid shooting night, 11 points, 5 of 7 from the field. You know, a nice bounce back game from the two youngins. Yeah, and you like to see that. I mean, this is when you're supposed to get hot. And with these two guys, it feels like when they're hot, they're hot. And when they're cold, they're cold. So they've been cold for a while. So hopefully they can get um, hot for a little bit. I know you mentioned on the NBA outlet that you gave uh, the Nets best chance to move on against the Raptors in the first round. And uh, I agree with that because we just it feels like when we played them, we match up really well against them. I mean, it didn't work out last night. But uh, it definitely gave me a little bit of confidence that we were able to at least keep up with them for most of the game. Yeah, and especially because the Raptors had an opportunity to really, you know, squash the Nets and take them out of the game. The Nets were able to hang around, and even, like we mentioned, late in that game, there was still an opportunity to kind of get back in it. The real issue was getting stops, and I think, you know, you give some credit to Toronto, who did a great job getting the switches and getting Siakam and Leonard on some of the Nets' guards in the post instead of against some of the bigs they have or some of the forwards that could maybe handle them a touch. You know, going against Spencer Dinwiddie down low or D'Angelo Russell, who have a size disadvantage, is going to work out for the Raptors. Yeah, and I mean, like I mentioned before, Kawhi Leonard was just having his way when they made those switches against, I think they put D'Angelo on Kawhi, which didn't work out. They tried to put, uh, I think, Joe Harris on Kawhi for a little bit, and that didn't work out either. Um, Yeah, it was just a rough night when they made those switches, and uh, we tried to pull away. I mean, we tried to come back in the fourth quarter a little bit. D'Angelo Russell made a crazy three. I think he cut it to like six at that point, but uh, just couldn't come back. Yeah, just couldn't get the stops, really. You know, offensively, they weren't too bad. I think, honestly, you know, one guy might give a shot if the Nets were to match up in a series against them is Trevion Graham. I think he could give some physicality to a Siakam or Kawhi. He's not really going to get muscle down low. He doesn't necessarily have the size in terms of length, but in terms of weight and strength, he can kind of match up. 
Yeah, he played eight minutes last night, one or two from the field. Those are both three-point attempts. Um, yeah, I mean, he his best games, I feel like, come against Toronto just because the Nets match up – or he matches up well against them. I don't know what it is necessarily. I mean, maybe it's his height, his weight, his ability to shoot from three. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like he should play a little bit more coming down the line if uh, Jared Dudley or Ed Davis is struggling. Yeah, it's definitely something to consider, especially because they're not playing, you know, a huge lineup. Obviously, Marcus Soule's a, a big center, but he's not as dominant as he once was. And then with the second unit, they're running with Serge Ibaka. I felt like the Nets just got outmatched on the boards. It wasn't from, like, a talent perspective. It was just from an effort and energy perspective and boxing guys out. You know, 17 offensive rebounds for the Raptors, only nine for the Nets. Yeah. Were you surprised that Ed Davis only played nine minutes last night? Mm, I was slightly surprised because it felt like he was playing okay in the first half. He had some good moments, you know, some putbacks. But I think Kenny was just trying to switch it up, and he saw that, you know, Ronde at center lineup in the past really worked well and sparked the team, and they needed some type of spark because at halftime, I felt they were lucky to be within 10. Yeah, um, and then also in the fourth quarter, um, you know, I know Kenny likes to stick with the lineup when it starts to work, but um, none of the lineups that he was trying in the fourth quarter were really working. Were you surprised that we didn't see DeMar Carroll a lot more than we did in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it was strange because obviously Damari's, you know, he didn't have a bad game, 12 points, 3 of 5. He gives you some length and versatility that some of the other Nets can't provide. But like I was talking to you in the DMs, I think Kenny was just trying to get creative and hoping something would work. It was weird not having Damari because that's kind of his go-to guy. Or maybe he was looking to get him some rest because he didn't think they'd come back. Yeah, Damari Carroll's usually in that closing lineup that we see. It's usually like him, Russell, Harris, and either Allen or Davis and Dudley. But, um... Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised not to see him just because of what he can provide in terms of the veteran leadership on the court, just like Jared Dudley, and plus his ability to shoot from three. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised not to see him. But um, overall, just uh, like you said, the offensive rebounds are really killing us in this one. I mean, Toronto had a lot of second-chance points in this one. Um, we had a lot of turnovers. We had 14 turnovers in this one. That feels like yeah. a lot. And, and they were a lot of them were sloppy turnovers or turnovers that weren't necessary. You know, that one that really sticks out is when Dimity tried to throw a lob to Karis LeVert on that fast break opportunity, and that's an opportunity where the Nets kind of had a, a chance to make a run in this game, and that hurt him, I would say. Just, you know, the turnovers. And the offensive rebounds hurt in the sense that, like, a lot of the times where they got the offensive rebounds Toronto, the Nets had played a great defensive possession before that. They just couldn't finish the possession by getting the rebound. Yeah. It just felt like we were a little sloppy, a little lazy tonight with the turnovers. I mean, a lot of them probably didn't have to happen. There were two turnovers on Rondé when he first came in that I felt could have been called either way, just in terms of the fouls. But, um, yeah, it was just a sloppy night in general. Yeah, and it's something the Nets need to adjust to against a team like Toronto. It's not going to get much easier. You know, we've talked about the schedule numerous times. Milwaukee on Saturday, Indiana on Sunday, and then Miami on Wednesday. What's yeah, your you confidence want... level at right now for the Nets? You know – it depends if Milwaukee clinches tonight. Uh, I know they can if they win in Philly. It would help if Giannis sit, if Giannis sat. Uh, it would help if Middleton sat. It would help if Bledsoe sat. I don't think any of those are going to happen. Um, just because Giannis is a competitor and he likes to play and he says that he doesn't really want to sit. Um, gosh, I, our best chance is probably Indy and Miami if we're going to win two of the three, which I feel like we kind of have to. But I just, my confidence is not high. I'd say we win Miami and that's about it. 
Yeah, I think the Nets probably to get comfortably in the playoffs, winning two out of three would pretty much lock them in. And that would probably be the Indiana and the Miami game. Somehow they're able to win all three. That'd be amazing. And even if they were to lose the next two, I think they'd still have a chance just because Miami's schedule isn't very easy. Just got the news Josh Richardson's going to be out the rest of the season. Orlando obviously has an easy schedule, but there's still some question about Blake Griffin in Detroit. No, he hasn't played the last two games. Is he healthy? So there's some positives for the Nets and the other teams not maybe having the success, but ideally the Nets would like to take care of business and win two of the next three, if not all three. Yeah, and Detroit plays in Oklahoma City tomorrow, which is really nice for us, especially without Blake Griffin. So I think it's a combination of uh, our magic numbers three, so a combination of three wins or three losses from other teams. So, I mean, it's possible that we clinch before that Miami game. I don't think it'll happen, but that would certainly be nice. I mean, they got two days. They got two days to prep for Milwaukee and Indiana. Like we talked about, as good as Milwaukee is, they could be looking to rest a guy or two. Maybe that guy's Brooke Lopez. Maybe it's somebody else on the team. But they're not going to be playing for anything, and the Nets are going to recently play them. It's usually a little bit harder to beat the same team two times in one week. Then the Pacers, there's a good chance the Pacers will know where they're sitting playoff seating-wise. I know they're a little banged up. That matchup they have Friday with Boston will kind of decide if they're going to have home court or not. So they also could be resting guys. And the positive thing about the Miami matchup, the Heat have their last home game of the season on Tuesday, the night before they play the Nets. So that will be Dwayne Wade's last game in Miami, an extremely emotional night. They could come into Brooklyn a little drained. Yeah, I mean, I'll be watching that that night just because I'm a huge Dwayne Wade fan. But um, no, I hope Dwayne Wade doesn't uh, pull Dwayne Wade against us. Yeah, I mean, we just got to do a good job defending him. If I had to put an over-under of 41 wins, what would you say for the season? I'm, I'm on the optimist on this show. I Can I take the line? Not yeah. going over-under? Yeah, I'll take the line of 41. So you think that we win in Indy and against Miami? Yeah, I think they take one of the games in the back-to-back. And I think at home against Miami, you preach culture. In the last three years, this is when it all comes together. A lot of these young guys have a lot to prove. Miami's going to be arguably without their best player. And this is a team that you've beaten this season. They've beaten you. You want to get in the playoffs, you got to take care of business. Yeah, hopefully Sean Marks will be delivering some beers to the block so we can get them all wild up because they're a huge part of this team. Speaking of Sean Marks, you want to talk about his extension and yes. as well? Yeah, we got obviously great news. I know I'm a huge fan of Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson for the way they've turned around the Nets. Start with Sean Marks. You know, we talk about the team that he took over. It was not good. The only guy remaining from the roster he took over is Rondé Hollis Jefferson. He turned a team that had no first-round picks into a playoff contender in three years. And now with the possibility of signing a big free agent like Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he's been one of the best GMs in the league over the last three years with the amount of resources he's had to work with. Yeah, I was going to say, he's definitely turned into one of the best GMs in the league. I mean, the key thing that him and Kenny always preach is culture, and uh, that's what they've done here. They've built a culture. I mean, they bring in guys who they think will fit the culture, like Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was already there, but he obviously fits the culture really well because Rondé is one of the most liked guys on the team, so how could you not keep him around? Um, No, I mean, obviously all credit due to Sean Marks just because – of what he's built here. I mean, I've been the Nets fan long before he was here, and it was not fun um, going back to 2010, 2011, when we got Darren Williams and nothing happened. Um, no, I mean, it's just so fun as a Nets fan to see, like, the organization going in the right direction and just stuff happening, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, Sean Marks literally turned the Nets into one of the least respected organizations in the NBA to one of the most respected organizations in the NBA, being able to get the big time for agents to look at you. A lot of praise around the league and, you know, no disrespect to Billy King in that front office, no. but 
You they can didn't disrespect Joel King as much as you want. <laughs> they didn't do a great job, you know, and that goes from not just the signings, but the overall management of the players. The culture was bad. A lot of negative stories come back about that regime. So Sean Marks not only did an amazing job of putting a good product on the court, did a great job of doing off-the-court stuff, and I think that sticks out with a lot of the players in the league, a lot of the coaches, and a lot of the, you know, agents. Yeah, and the one thing that I'll give credit credit to Billy King about is that he got a Sean Marks because – yeah. Without him making that terrible trade, we will we wouldn't have no Sean Marks right now. So I mean, that's the only thing I'll give him credit for. But hopefully, seeing Sean Marks do what he's doing, maybe influences some players to come here. I don't know. I mean, hopefully we have enough to get maybe a Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. If you want to get into Russell Verserving, you can, but I don't want to right now. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know that's that's the accomplishment right there. You know, having a meeting with these guys when they pass, they haven't been able to sit down with one of these big free agents. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet, but rumor has it they will get that meeting. So, and then talking about the other side of it, the coaching side, and Kenny Atkinson getting his extension, one of the best player development coaches in the league, is taking guys like Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, and really turn them into very good NBA players. I think a lot of credit goes to him, and I think players also like him. They don't only like the Nets, but they like. The, the culture that Kenny has, he's known to kind of be a player's coach. He'll interact with his guys, let them have an impact on the game plan. He'll also get on the court with you. And he's also not into overworking guys. And I know that's a problem with some guys, around, some coaches around the league. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him turn Spencer Dinwiddie into a borderline all-star. Not borderline all-star, but, I mean, he's putting up real he, was, he could have got all-star votes this year if he was probably healthy at the time. So I think that's a fair take. I mean, he, we've seen him Joe, turn Joe Harris into what he is now. I mean, he just takes these players who nobody's heard of when they come into Brooklyn and then just turn them into players who are going to Charlotte. I mean, even like D'Angelo Russell, I mean, he turned him around from a player who was basically outed by half the league because of that incident with Nick Young into one of the most respect, not respected players in the league, but he's getting like praise from a lot of the bigger players in this league. And I mean, Kenny Atkinson had a lot to do with his development. I mean, D'Angelo Russell went up to Kenny Atkinson at one point and said, coach me, you know, make me a star in this league. And that's basically what's happened. I mean, Russell is just a huge part of what this Nets team is doing, and he wouldn't have uh, been there without Kenny Atkinson. And, you know, D'Lo was one of the first guys tweeting out, you know, appreciating his coach getting the extension. And, you know, Jack and I bring this up a lot. It's not just Kenny, too. It's the rest of the coaching staff who does an excellent job of getting these players ready for the games, taking their skill set to the next level. So, I mean, as a Nets fan, you have to be excited about having these two locked up for the next few seasons. We don't know the exact details of the extension. You know, the Nets like to keep that quiet. I'm sure it'll poke out at some time. But at least in the near future, we know the Nets are taken care of in the front office and the coaching perspective. Oh, my God. It's just so awesome to have a solid coach. I mean, Kenny Atkinson, I think, is, like, the first coach in, for the Nets to receive an extension in, like, I think over a decade, over two decades almost. So, I mean, it's just really nice to have that solid coach, really nice to have one of the best GMs in the league. I mean, there's just nothing more you can say. But, you know, Nets fans are lucky to have these two guys at the top. Yes, yeah, like you mentioned, something positive came out of the Boston trade, and that was Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson. Will, any other topics you want to touch on before we get out of here? Yeah, just quick shout out to uh, the owner, Michael Prokhorov and Josiah for bringing these two guys in. That's about it. Yeah, no, credit to them. Joseph Sai is going to be a guy to keep an eye on. Saw a great point on, I don't know if it was Twitter or an article, the ability he has with the Asian market can be enticing to some of the big free agents and kind of expanding their brand. So keep an eye on that. Will, always a pleasure. And definitely have some more Brooklyn buses for you this weekend with the Nets back-to-back games. Go Nets. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. 
because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.